You are tuned in with Reverend and Goodwill Ambassador Art Wilson. We started laying hands on people and the Spirit of God flooded into that place and God did incredible things. Each week, you are invited behind the scenes to be a part of exclusive and unique topics about world news, biblical finds, and religious events. Here's your host, Art Wilson. Greetings, everyone. Hello, hello. You are tuned in with Wafunif, Goodwill Ambassador Art Wilson. And on this podcast today, we're going to bring you a special message. Today is going to be a ministry message, and I want you to enjoy it. And great things are going to happen in your life. Hey, what's going on? What's happening? God bless you all. Thank you for tuning in to Real Talk. And I am super excited about uh, this episode and uh, who we have to address you and to speak to you and to share his burden, his journey and his heart. Uh, the prolific pastor from Detroit, Michigan, Pastor Art Wilson. <laughs> God bless you, sir. How you doing? Well, praise the Lord, Pastor Duncan. What an honor to be on the program with you. Thank you for thinking about me. It's always great to hear from incredible, inspiring, and in the thick of things, young people like yourself. So I'm honored. I'm looking forward to a great time this morning. Man, I am, I'm just so thankful that uh, you were able to, to do this. And I think uh, your story and things that you have to share uh, today is going to help a lot of people. And um, I, I, I've always admired your uh, ministry from afar and what you have done in, in the city of Detroit and worldwide what God is doing with your family. And I, I want to be able to expose that to some people here that are going to be listening. And uh, as we jump into this, I want you to go ahead, just uh, take your liberty and kind of give us a, a snapshot, a summary of what, where you're coming from, how you got saved, uh, how you started into ministry. Oh, I would be honored. You know, you know, Pastor, um, um, I am 52 years old, so I'm getting up there. <laughs> and um, my story is, um, it's a very unique one, and I'm honored to be able to share it with you. You know, I got saved around, and I'm thinking way back now, I got saved around 1988. Didn't have anything to do with that book, 88 Reasons Why He's Coming Back in 88. I was, I was the real deal, okay? <laughs> I wasn't running from the, the end time book, but uh, I was uh, I was a football player and my wife, Bethany, was a cheerleader. So we're, wow. we're that, we, it's kind of funny. Same high school, same high school. Wow. We, we've known each other most of our um, young lives. And when we, we 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 we're running around school, we're doing our thing. And um, it was a very unique time in our country. It was uh, that time when um, high schools were really experiencing uh, the busing principles and the unifying of neighborhoods of different cultures. And we were the prototype for that in Flint, Michigan. Mm. I, grew up, I was born and raised in Flint, Michigan. Flint it was rough, rougher then than it is now. It's poorer now, but it was rougher then. I grew up in the worst parts of Flint. Wow. They call it South Parks. And uh, South Park Flint was pretty tough. It was poor. It was uh, low income. And, um, you know, we were, we were all moved to catch a bus to go up to Southwestern on the, uh, the west side of the uh, city. Uh -huh. And so they put all of us kids in the bus and put us in the um, south to go to southwestern high school it was also happening a few times in middle schools and in, in elementary schools too but and when we got there all of the diversity was being integrated and we got to meet a number of different peoples and cultures and it was a very exciting time and and i met bethany uh she was a cheerleader and she was she she was pretty cute and um <laughs> and from there you know we were just kind of going through school doing our thing and one of the young men on our track team was having a good time talking about people being lost and going to hell. And we didn't know much about that. I was raised pretty much basic, but in latter parts of my young, young life, my, my mother started looking into Jehovah's Witness. So we were really looking into Jehovah's Witness, which I didn't believe a lick of it. 
but we were looking into it and that's what we were going to. Yeah. And uh, when he was talking, I was listening to him and I, and I said, man, and he, everybody was terrified. Everybody, I believe he was talking to the football team <laughs> and uh, we were all terrified. Don't think football players ain't terrified. We was terrified. <laughs> <laughs> and they was like, man, I'm scared. I'm scared. And he told me, he said, you know, this is this is all coming to true. And I looked at him. I said, well, why would God send everybody to hell in that fashion? And this guy was a backslider. He wasn't a Christian. He was an apostolic backslider. How about it? And he looked at me and he said, well, you don't have to go to hell. I said, what? He said, no. He said, you can you can just follow like 12, 15 words and you'll make it to heaven. I said, wait a minute. <laughs> I said, what's the catch? And he said, I'm not kidding. I said, I will I'll prove it. He pulled out a Bible. Later, we went to his house. He pulled out a Bible. And read me Acts 2.38. I said, wow. that's it? He Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. You shall receive the Holy Ghost, the promises unto you, your children, and those that are far off, even the many, Lord, our God, shall call. And I'm looking at that, and he, I said, that's it. He said, that's it? So I grabbed him. I said, well, you taking me to church. <laughs> <laughs> so the tough, one done. Scared, the tough one that was scared, everybody says, well, wait a minute. You know, I ain't that much in church like I used to. I said, no, nah, man, we going to church. <laughs> and uh, and, and uh, he said, oh, man, okay. So I turn and I get on the phone later and I call Bethany. And I say, hi, Beth. She says, hi, how you doing? I said, guess what? What? You're going to hell. She said, oh, God, no. <laughs> Young people, oh, okay, we man. smooth yeah. operator. <laughs> She's falling apart. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I said, "Well, you know how you know how we are." Uh, I said, "Well, you don't have to go to hell." She said, "I don't." I said, "No, no, no." I said, "You just gotta follow these ten <laughs> I don't know nothing about what I'm talking about. I'm just repeating what they told me. And so she said, can I go? I said, well, you know, I have to check. You know, we busy, you know, but you probably, we can probably squeeze you in because we all going. And before you knew it, we, Bishop Henson's church. Oh, wow. On Sunday, all of us teenagers walk in and they were shocked. A backslider was bringing a ton of athletes and high school students because it kept spreading. We all walked into the church together, went up to the balcony. Folks was looking up there like they mm -mm. a ghost. And at altar call, ushers come and got us and said, you, you kids want to come pray? We And Bethany was down. She took off up there to pray. Mm, wow. She, I said, where's she going? They said, she's going to pray. Now, 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 my hesitancy began to kick in. And I'm looking at all this going on. And later on, I say, okay, well, bring me on down. Finally, I go down there and I feel the presence of God. And there's a lot more to it, but we all get saved. There will become a huge revival at that school because of a backslider. Mm. And we all come into church and it just kept spreading. And in Flint, Bishop Henson had an incredible revival. And, I, and they were praying for revival. So God sent all these and let that be a lesson for all the church planners. One yes, day can change everything. Mm. And we all come walking in there and um, being faithful in prayer. Here come a revival. And, and, and so from that moment, you know, we just kind of, we had our ups and downs as young people. We didn't have parents bringing us to church. So it was a lot of, we had to discover the hard way. And, but, but long story short, we get in, and Bishop starts using us and working with us and incredible Bishop, incredible man of God. And, and we end up in ministry. We end up, of course, we were engaged when we got there. So we got married and, and Bishop married us, which is a tribute to him. Cause at that time, biracial, you know, Bethany's Korean and biracial families were, were not as, as accepted now. So you know how tough it was. Oh, now yeah. it's no challenge. And so, Bishop stood for us and, and we got in ministries and, and, you know, he put us in the youth department and prison ministry. He sent me out to the prisons. I was going out to the prisons. We had to do so much prison ministry and convalescent home ministry. Our weekends was prison ministry and convalescent home ministries. And, wow. And, and, you know, we, we baptized so many people. It was just incredible. And uh, then we get involved in the youth department and I start driving a van for the youth leader and the youth leader become a pastor. And then before you know it, we're part of a big, youth committee that just incredible revival. And 
then from there we got elected in the sectional positions and the district positions and and it just worked out where we found ourselves preaching out people would call and say come tell us about how you did this and that with the youth and <laughs> and it just kept going. But but while we were doing that was when we launched into church planning because the, the district asked me, they said, well, why don't you go and um, why don't you go and, and, and minister at the home missions churches and we're going to kind of contract you for a few months. Maybe I think it was maybe a year, a little longer. And they contracted me to go to the home mission church. And that's when our burden was born for home missions. Awesome. So that's kind yeah. of a, in a nutshell of uh, how this all started in our our little story. Yes, sir. That's awesome. That's incredible. I love that. Man, uh, high school sweethearts, man, just came into the church together. God just sent a whirlwind to y'all's lives and got saved, got into ministry. And that is a powerful word. I, I want to echo that. Uh, just so somebody can hear it again, one day can change everything for a church planner. Man, yes, what a powerful statement. What a powerful statement. And talking about planting a church, I believe you are a church planter. And uh, and you planted a church there in the Detroit International Church. Uh, yes. Can we? Can, can you kind of give us... Um, uh, what what was your mindset going into that? Uh, I I know that your church has had incredible uh, revival, harvest, and growth, and and has an international reach, as your name uh, states. Uh, what what are the things that what are the ingredients that you believe that God equipped you with to uh, go into that and facilitate what God wanted to do in Detroit? Well, you know, it's an it's an interesting story because while we were evangelizing um and and we went to the home missions churches. I mean, we were there were times we were preaching at church and there were two saints, but we had two week revivals because the district wanted us to go to all the churches and and it, I just it impacted me. Mm. And I'm I, and I just felt this is where we need to be. This is what ministry is. And, and I was preaching and men and to churches and church people, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the core of who we are needs to be going to places that have yet to receive this message. That is the mission of ministry. Jesus said in Acts 1, he said, listen, you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria. And in the uttermost parts of the earth, he expected for us to have a, a canvassing, a, a soul winning mindset versus just maintenance mode. Yes, and, sir. And, and I, a new, a new experience was added to me. I couldn't shake it, but I didn't understand as a young person, I might've been, oh, I might've been in my late twenties. I couldn't understand it all, but I knew this is where we needed to be. So, Here's what happened. The Lord spoke to Bethany and he told her, you guys must start a church because there's places that don't have a church. And she tells me, and, and I don't receive it. <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm not starting a church now. You know, I'm, I'm helping, but I'm not starting a church. This is, this is tough stuff. I'm looking at these guys struggling. We're praying with them. And there's the, the, I'm looking at this. I'm just looking and I'm going, no, I'm not, I'm not cut like that. Okay. Mm -hmm. And she says, I've heard from God. So that scared me. Because <laughs> <laughs> when folks say it like that, you know, they heard from God. So you, look, you, know, you can kick and scream all you want, but hey, they've heard from God. And, yes, and, sir. and, and God is the boss. So, I'm I'm creeping like like my days are numbered, you know. And um, oh, sure man. enough, Bishop Nix. This the, the way it all worked out. You it just seemed like God wanted us to plant a church, just with the whole exposure to it from the district inviting us. And then Bishop Nix calls me down in Ipsy, and Bishop says, "You know, I want you to come down here and spend some a few months." And that's the first time that's ever been offered to us. He said, I just want you to spend a few months. I want you to just work around different ministries in the church and, and just preach. And I just want you to be here. I feel like God wants you to be here. 
And sure enough, we took that, we did that for a few months. And in the process of that, Bishop Nix kept saying, you need to start a church. And I said, well, Bishop, listen, I, 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 I haven't heard that. <laughs> <laughs> so we still preaching for Bishop and Bishop starts driving me around and he, he exposes me to people like Bruce Lehman and Scott Sistrunk. And these, these guys, they just, I mean, you know, you, you got to stay away from these guys if you don't want to. <laughs> you know? They ooze with burden. Oh my goodness. I mean, they feeding you and they talking to you and they preaching to you and they're threatening you. I mean, you know, anyway, <laughs> So, so we're, we're getting into all of this and Bishop's driving me around Detroit and I'm just in the backseat with, 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 with Pastor Nate Nix now. And I'm just in the backseat looking at Nate. We, we, we tripping in the backseat because we young people and we knew each other our whole lives. And, and, and Bishop turns around and says, look at this area. And we're looking at the area. And finally, you know, finally, uh, you know, we, we start the preaching around in Detroit because people start saying, well, you got Art Wilson down, let's preach. So um, driving, I was by myself. I was on Michigan Avenue and I was in West Metro Detroit and I was by myself. I can't even remember what I was doing. I was supposed to be headed somewhere to meet somebody and and, and Rima, God spoke to me. Mm. Now, I don't have a number of these so it impacted me. I was driving and God's voice said to me, this is where you're going to be. Mm. It hit me so hard that I pulled over. I couldn't believe it. I was literally every, every ounce of me was shaking. I pulled over, went into the gas station, talked to the gas station attendant. I said, hey, what city is this? He said, it's, it's Inkster. I said, how many churches are there? He looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and from that moment, I told Bishop Nix, I said, um, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. And everybody was, it's like waiting on something to happen. Everybody's like, finally, this guy hears from God. <laughs> Bethany, you know, she back in the background. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting for that day. And, and so that's kind of how that that moment hit. And we started, you know, in the Inkster Romulus area. And there were no saints. So this was going to be a full-blown canvassing project. Hmm. And we didn't have the detailed ministries in place like they do now to help. There were ministries in place, but it was really... It was really uh, vague on what we would do. So we basically just uh, started by knocking doors and just trying to meet people. And, and, and we'll come back on some of this, but to pull us to the very end, you know, we, to, the, to date now, we've baptized over, I believe, over 1,600, 1,700 people. We've been having about, we, we, we were peaked a while ago, but we've had some, some changes and we're still running probably about, oh, in the 400s. On, a, on any given Sunday and God, oh, no. really, you know, but, but the big deal is, is, is our, we tried to have a reach into our community. We've tried to be uh, real available. We tried to be visible in our com community, but there's a lot of story between now and then we've been there now. That was November of 2000 that we started looking. And I believe we got our official approval which is important. We were doing things, but we got our official approval, I believe 2001, the last month, November, uh, last two months of November of 2001, I believe when we got our approvals. Incredible. Incredible. Uh, can you, can you share with us like a, a couple of memorable moments uh, in the process of uh, quite a bit of almost 19, 20 years uh, in that church and working in that area what are some memorable moments that uh, you think would inspire people to uh, that are thinking, you know, one day I want to, I want to plant a church or I feel that like God is calling me to do that. Um, what is something that you would inspire somebody with, with from you, from your story? Well, what I learned in church planning is, to have an incredible covering mm. and, 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 and oh, I can't, I can't emphasize this enough. Um, 
if I was to look back at the most significant, the most memorable times at the International Church of Metro Detroit, it was always tied into an elder that had a prophetic voice mm. and was strategic in giving us guidance in tough situations. For example, um, now we're, we're interested in starting the church now. I've, I've heard from God. Bethany's heard from God. The mountain of, of, of difficulties ahead of us. And, oh, I can feel every part of all of you church planners when it comes to when you start. I remember that. You get, you get all the balloons and the confetti and they throw your parties. When you get to the city, the city is not impressed. There's not one party there in the city. They're like, what you doing here? So it, it's, a, it's night and day between actually doing it and actually talking about it. So, so we, we, start, we start doing it. And this is a memorable time for us. We start, we start, we're, we're just kind of driving around. I mean, nothing's happening, Rima. Nothing. Okay. Wow nothing's happening. We're driving around. And this is just in, within a few days period. We're driving around, we're looking and I'm thinking, okay, what in the world are we supposed to be doing? <laughs> <laughs> I said, these people don't want to talk to me. Okay. <laughs> I'm walking around going, hi, I'm Art Wilson. I'm starting a church. Would you like to? They're like, what in the world is this? So, so this is all going on and it's, it starts to take shape organically. Okay. Mm. Yeah, and you just have to let the experiences present themselves. So we go to bishops. Bishop said we had, to, you know, we bishop was the closest. He was about forty minutes away. So we had to go to bishop. The district said you need to go to bishops on Sunday night so that you don't, you know, backslide. Okay, because <laughs> you out there. Right. So so we go to bishops and we sit in the audience and bishop, you know, he'll come down and pray with us and get us sometimes. And we out there and and um, we went one night and let me just tell you. Prophet Lee Stone King was in the house. My, my. Now <laughs> we're talking, we're talking 2000 when he was in the height of his impactful ministry and he was preaching and the place was packed. And in the midst of all that, he comes I mean, you know how he does. He comes running through the crowd, grabs me. <laughs> my, now, my. Now I know bitch. I know prophet. Stone King, because of course I, I had, I had, he was one of my professors in seminary. So, you know, um, I know him very well as far as just being his teachings. And yeah. And so he runs and he grabs me out of the audience and he said, art come with me. And he yanks me up. There's, there's probably 800 people in that place. And he yanks me up, takes me to the front and he said, it is done or God is doing it. I don't know what he said. And he <laughs> spinned me around Pastor Duncan. He spinned me around. I don't remember anything after that. <laughs> that was it. I, listen, I come to, I, I get my, I, I, I wake up, whatever you call it. I'm laid out at the altar and there is people everywhere at the altar, kneeling, screaming, wailing. It's like, it is like a Holy Ghost explosion. I look up like I just woke up out of a big, big, <laughs> out of being unconscious. And, and mm. Nate Nix is, is leaned over me three inches from my face, screaming and praying. <laughs> and I said, I grab him. I said, Nate, what happened? And he's, remember, he's screaming and praying for me, right? He he looks even closer in my face than only like Nate Nix can do. He starts laughing at me. <laughs> he says, Poof. he says, you got kung fu. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. And he, you know how we do each other. And so I, I the embarrassment said to me, I said, oh, God. But in that moment, something broke for my city. Mm. And something broke for me. And at that, I, I went to Brother Stone King. He said, Brother Stone King, here's where I'm at. And he looked at me and prophesied. He said, you do it. Don't worry. Don't hesitate. God's going to bless it. It's going to happen. And at that moment, I began to get strength. You've got to get places where you're going to get strength. And, and my bishop approved it. And sh we started seeking uh, legal status as a as a as a as a um, preaching point, and so that was very important for us. And 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 it 
And when that happened, things started happening. Yes. In the first month, I believe, and I and I was fleecing the Lord all the time. <laughs> and I, Lord, if somebody gets back, if somebody gets baptized, then I know I'm supposed to be here. Now God already spoke to me, but I'm still fleecing God. You know how we are. Yes, but, and, and so we get a family that starts coming. And that first family is still in our church today. And he's my head deacon and on my board of directors. And she's our ladies minister on our board of directors. And um, they, they were very impactful in our lives. Being the first family got saved and we had a couple more families and then people started coming. And the, the important part was those families, you have to encourage those families to don't hesitate to reach others. And the right. revival started to slowly happen. And we just had a, 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 a room in an elementary school. That's where we was having church in the beginning. Mm. How about it? That's awesome, man. So, for all of you twenty-something-year-olds, uh, you, you you might as well go get submitted under a covering. And as God is speaking to you, make sure you bounce your ideas off of that spiritual man of God in your life, and uh, God will direct you to uh, to your destiny. Everything that you is on your spiritual radar. Uh, I love what uh, Pastor Wilson said about having a covering and uh, just some of those spiritual benchmarks that are uh, pivotal to your success in doing what God has called you to do, Amen. but you can't do it without a covering. Amen. Amen. Pastor Wilson, I want to I wanna start getting into some of the current things that are happening uh, in your personal ministry, uh, particularly with the United Nations. Uh, man, what an incredible prophetic open door that I believe, uh, personally, I believe is a precursor uh, to many prophecies being fulfilled in the end time. And I know that's a bold statement to make, but uh, wow. I, I think it, I think, that open door and you responding and unlocking some things in the spirit with regards to the United Nations has uh, propelled us into uh, major prophetic fulfillment. And I want you to talk to us about that. Uh, what, what did that look like? How, how did that happen? And, and what is the official capacity of, uh, that, that afforded you to flow in those wavelengths of world leaders? Wow. Wow. Well, you know, Pastor Duncan, it's so incredible <clears throat> because the Lord, the Lord has a sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> and um, our wonderful general superintendent, Bishop Bernard, he's been to the UN. He's spoken to, at the UN and we spent time together and he's imparted to me about the UN, but he made statement to the general board because they called me in and they wanted a report. It's so powerful. It's like reading the book of Acts. <laughs> they called me in for a report of what was going on in the canvassing of the United Nations. Yes. And Bishop Bernard made a statement. He said, he said, you know, we sometimes hesitate because we didn't get to qualify or get, didn't get to pick who God uses. Wow. <laughs> he said, but God is proving his sovereignty. And, and to kind of bring that into perspective, I would be the last person I would pick. <laughs> okay. They don't even have to, we don't even have to talk about somebody else. I wouldn't pick me. Um, God, God works in mysterious ways. And, you know, being in Detroit now, Detroit, statistically, we talk about different areas. Like we talk about Chicago and, and all the things that are happening in Chicago. That is, you know, uh, you know, it, it's tragic how, you know, some things happen in Chicago, yes. but on a, on a complete scale, not just talking about one or two things, but on a complete scale, Detroit is the worst in, in, in the country because economically as yeah. well, Detroit is bottoms. Yes, and yes, I'm yes. just a church planner in Detroit. So for God to pick somebody out of the bottoms <laughs> and put them in the tops, Come on. <laughs> Come on. God is telling us something. I believe the UN ministry 
was meant to be. It was meant to be a sign to the church that God is in control because of how it came about. He said, you know what? I'm fixing to pick. Where's Art at? Art, where's he? He in Detroit, ain't he? Yeah, let's do him. <laughs> I want these people to know what I can do so they can believe me for anything. Come on. So he, so, so it was prophesied. You, you remember our, our late Dr. Trevor Neal? Yes, sir. He pulled me aside. What an incredible man of God. Selfless. Yes, it was never about him. Never. And one of the geniuses of our generation. And it would be an honor just to sit with him and let him expound on things. And and I remember we were at a, a conference and he turned and said, what's going on to you? And, and he, he could prophesy on a dime. He, he said, what's going on in the UN is an indicator of Matthew 24, 14. Mm. And literally, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world as a witness slash literal translation testimony unto all nations and then shall the end come. When he said that, it was revealed to me, wow, for Dr. Neal, who's extremely transparent to say something like that, God was doing something. So this UN ministry has been an incredible addition to the awesome resume of the United Pentecostal Church. And God also wanted it to come through the United Pentecostal Church. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of aspects that we could explore. God wanted it for for his own purposes to be an African-American man. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can look at it from all different purposes. God literally picked it the way he wanted to pick it to speak to us the way he wanted to speak to us. And, and maybe even only history will go back and reflect on how things happen because, yeah. you know, we're, we're sometimes too uptight to look at things now. It's just, a, you know, it's just that way. You know how it goes. When somebody passes, everybody loves them and misses them while they're with uh-huh. us. You know, everybody's got something to say. So it's, it's just, so we just have this, we're just human, human nature. And the UN ministry, the way it started, it wasn't just me. God used the incredible young lady who was the first to receive a miracle to be his his basically his instrument to to make things happen. And then my staff at my church, which prayed and and then picked up the slack in Detroit while I was traveling back and forth, sometimes on a weekly basis. Wow. Because it it required that. It was like starting a church, except I was doing it distance from a distance. So we had to fly back and forth, back and forth. And I, Bethany has come with me 99.9% of the time. So our whole team yeah. would, would pick up the slack and our team was incredible. My ministers were incredible. And, 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 and our, our, our first soul to get saved was absolutely stellar and incredible. And I, I can't mention her name for those reasons because she's in the highest office of the United Nations. Mm. But, but for it to get started, it was 2013 um, we've now been a church. We've been, we had started canvassing 13 years, but we were official 12. So 2013, we've been, a, we're still a young church, but we're, we're in that, we're in that teenage age where we're thriving, trying to move forward. And, and we're, we're in the, we're in a series of 40 days of prayer and fasting. Mm-hmm. And God had called us to it. And we were in it for years. It was, it was a few years in a row. Now we've been in it and we thought, it was for us, but it turns out it was for this because in 2013, we, we, we introduced our visions in January. We introduced this vision that God is going to give us an open door. I have set before thee an open door. That was our vision. And I thought, well, something new is going to happen in Detroit. God was thinking something else. And yes. sure enough, the young lady, the first soul that got saved at the UN, we've now baptized, of course, 38 within the iron walls mm. and hundreds hundreds around the country in tours of duty but 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 she was the first one she was sick of a incurable disease and it was terminal they had tried everything she was she was bedridden she they basically said there's nothing else we can do so the united nations had had put her on on terminal leave they expected you know next time they see her we'll be at a funeral there was nothing else anybody could do she saw the best doctors and it had mm-hmm. gone on for months and months. Well, her sister is on my st- staff at church. So she was always, of course, asking for prayer for her. Well, she tells her, you need to come and have us pray for you. 
and and of course she wasn't extremely religious or anything like that so she thought well you know i'm not uh, you know whatever well she starts praying at home and she feels like she's heard from god and felt god and it blew her away she felt like god started touching her body she said what is going on so she showed up and there's a lot to that but she showed up and we're having Detroit church. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she coming down from the United Nations Secretary General's office to Detroit church. Okay. <laughs> we up in there like, hey. <laughs> so, and, and her sister plops her on the front row. <laughs> we running, we shouting, we flying through there. Okay. And she's looking around, checking it out. And, and so God speaks to me and says, you go down there and pray for her. We go down there and pray. I go down there and pray for her. And she's looking at me with, with, with deer in the headlight eyes. Like, what, what, what? Wow. <laughs> I pray for her. And long story short, I talked to her about baptism. She didn't receive it at first. But later that night, she said, I can't get away from it. Let's do it. We baptize her in Jesus' name. She receives the Holy Ghost. She gets a con- confirmation that that terminal illness that was visible to the entire United Nations. Now, it's important to note, you don't get any smarter than in the United Nations. Yeah. So once they conclude something, it's done. When she, <laughs> she gets healed, and these folks are, she's been there for years. She's made relationships with everybody. These folks are shook up. Wow. They're like, what is going on? Because you don't send somebody home on terminal leave and expect to see them back walking, talking, and full of health. Yeah. It was a bona fide, Pastor Duncan, it was a bona fide miracle. It was even a testimony to me. I, I never seen nothing like it. <clears throat> and she goes back and she starts talking to him because everybody's like, what in the world has happened to you? She talks to him. She communicates with him. And long story short, she's like, I don't know what else to do. I did every, and I said, I, and God tells me, you go out there and you explain it to him. <laughs> and, and he's going to show me his wonders. And they approve me and give me a pass to come to the United Nations behind the iron gates, give me tours. And we go to the chapel to have our first testimony service. And it fills up with hundreds, over a hundred global leaders, Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, atheists, all kinds of diplomats, delegates, staff, yes, they sir. show up into this thing, they hear, I wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> My. And we kind of fell through that. And at the end of it, we were praying for everybody. And that's how the ministry was born. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. I mean, like how, how do you how do you feel like God positioned you for uh a God moment like that to be able to be invited there? Like what it what does it feel like to stand in front of some of the most powerful men, some of the most intelligent minds of the world? and declare the the whole counsel of God. Like, oh. What does that feel like? Oh, my Lord, I tell you. I had never been more intimidated. Mm-mm-mm. I had never been. And at, and at that time, we're talking 2013. At that time, I hadn't much to ministry. I mean, I've maybe been able to testify here or there for some, some of our district meetings, but it, those platforms were not in my <laughs> resume. And... Um, and to to be exposed to the 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 platform and the limelight of 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 external public ministry by addressing the world's most intelligent leaders that weren't even our faith that were actually opposed to christianity in their in in their way it was it was unbelievably intimidating and and i almost lost my strength you know how you feel just weak yeah, I was. We weren't expecting that many people. We were expecting a couple people, maybe seven. You know, where they come in and then take a notes, and we sit down and talk. These people, we that we had to use. They filled up the auditorium. My my. And of course, we've we've shown pictures that because of the times and and wherever they have asked for these testimonies. That's that stuff was it was to stand on that platform and look out at those people looking up at you, and they're not shouting, they're not worshiping, they're not clapping. No. <laughs> <laughs> they look at they look at up and you saying now you better this better be good because we can't figure this out. 
Mm. But the strength of the Lord, I, they had never been more transparent and real to me, the scripture, when Jesus said, think not in mm. that hour what you will say. Yeah. For the Holy Ghost. Oh, yeah. Will tell you because the presence of God came over me in a unique and real way in the midst of that. <clears throat> Excuse me. It came over me in a unique and real way in the midst of that and strengthened me and helped me to speak and, and to, to organize and orchestrate that, that service. Yeah. So it was incredible. It was, it was, it was just amazing. That is incredible. That is incredible. I, I don't, I'm man, I'm just speechless about, uh, how God, all those things that you said, those elements, those specific elements that, uh, a particular minister from a particular organization, from a particular city of a particular ethnicity, you know, like this is, this, this is just incredible. It is incredible. And God is very intentional. And, uh, I would like to encourage somebody that when God has something planned, he knows exactly how he wants to do it with whom he wants to do it with. And he knows how to get them there. Uh, and I believe sometimes it's nothing short of a miracle to, to get you into those places of influence. And mm. uh, man, I, I am so, I'm so uh, thankful for your family and making yourself available for God to use you all in that way. And uh, you are now the Goodwill Ambassador. Is that correct? Yes. Um, the Wafunif Goodwill Ambassador to the United Nations. It's, oh my goodness. <laughs> now, is, now, now, is that a, as an acronym or is that African? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's an acronym. Bro. Okay. The World Association of United Nations interns, former interns and fellows. It's there. There are different uh, divisions that operate the United Nations. You know, you have UNICEF, which are the Children's Division. You have Drug and Crime. You have uh, Refugee, yeah. and then you have the entire membership and staff and interns, which is the constituency, which is which is where the division that has has appointed me and knighted me. Uh, a goodwill ambassador and delegate. So I'm a special envoy. That's extremely rare. Yes. So, uh, Brother Duncan, I, <laughs> when I think about it, sometimes I laugh. But, <laughs> but I have operated in that capacity now for some years. And 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 uh, we have done tours of duty on behalf of the UN and, and we, we, we have our status. Mm -hmm. It's and, and, and it's real and, and it's a blessing. And we're trying to work now to make it where it can it can bless the ministry and the, the furtherance of the gospel. Yes, sir. That is incredible. 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 Well, I, I am so thankful that you were able to share that with us. And uh, uh, I don't want to uh, stretch you out too long, but I, we can't ignore. We can't ignore where we're at right now. And, uh, you know, we're in the, doing ministry in, right. in, in a very unprecedented time the crisis of COVID-19 and uh, uh -huh. everything else that comes with it. Uh, and, you know, the ancillary different uh, events that are happening with, you know, the riots and, and uh, you know, uh, certain, uh, you know, injustices that are being done, man, how, how do you, how yes. do you navigate uh, with your congregation in the midst of sheltering in, but also being, having to lead them through these waters. Oh, you know, as, as church planners, Rima, we can't be, we can't be intimidated by our limitations. We need to embrace our limitations and know yes. that God can still do a work. There, I, there's no one more limited than me. And God has been able to use when I'm weak, then he is strong. Amen. And a church planner starts off small. I, it reminds me of revelation when, when he's addressing the Philadelphia church and he says, thou hast a little strength. He's talking, uh, many theologians believe that he's actually talking about the size of the ministry, that it was starting small, but it was starting right. Okay. Yeah. And, 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 and so limitations don't hinder you having an open door. They don't hinder you having an open door. And we need to walk in that confidence as I am a pastor called of God. I'm the apostle. I am the angel of this city, even though I may have five people. And when, when <laughs> challenges come, like, 
this COVID-19, of course, I have inside information, but this COVID-19 is, has been a, a challenge to all of us. And we, of course, in, in Metro Detroit has been hit some of the hardest than anyone in the country in the world. We have had an unbelievable outbreak and a lot of deaths. Many people in our church, many people in our church, many families to the families of the people in our church. We've had some deaths of the families of the families of the people in our church. We've had many people in our church that have been infected. We have people right now infected. This is a real virus and we need to be sensitive to that. And we need to, we need to understand these things sometimes as the church, we tie everything into to being invincible, and yes, and, and that was a that was a that was a mistake mm. because a lot of people have passed away and a lot of people have died because we didn't take these things seriously because we we we're not we're not rational sometimes. Mm-mm-mm. And this virus hit Detroit because there were preachers in Detroit, maybe not UPC, but there were preachers in Detroit. They just weren't, they weren't listening. And we've had a lot of denominal preachers die. They're, they're, yeah. They have died. Lots of councils. It has, it has splintered some denominational councils because of the different leaders that have died, not to mention the saints. So as a church planner, you know, we just need to be very much informed before we jump on any kind of bandwagon. We need to, we need to be sensible and we need, we need to approach in caution and wisdom. I like to err on the side of caution. Yeah, that's good. You know, I, I've, good. Al- I've always been that way. When it's time to step out on faith, my goodness, I hope I've already proven, I'll step out on faith. But <laughs> I'm, I'm very cautious. I have, a t- I have a time with the Lord about being cautious. I'll say, Lord, now wait a minute. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not going to be disobedient, but I, I always like to look, I like to count the cost. I like to look at it. And when this COVID hit, I was I was already ordering masks in 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 the first week of February, last week of uh, January. How about it? Because I thought, oh my goodness, not, you know, I have a touch of OCD as well, so I have trouble. But but I was, oh my goodness, um, this is this is something we need to we need to be prepared for. So as church planners, our church would appreciate us thinking about their best interests. You can yes. have faith and still be careful. Yes. You really can. And God can still do a miracle after you've counted the cost. You really can. And, that's, and, and then we've got this thing going on right now with this, this situation that happened in Minneapolis, Minnesota. This George Floyd situation. I've addressed it on Facebook. Bethany and I just felt to sit down and just talk. Yeah. And, and um, we didn't say much, but we just wanted to call everybody to prayer. We have a, multi- a multicultural church. We have a diverse church. I have a diverse ministerial staff. I have um, on my ministerial staff, I have Latino, Caucasian, and I have African-Americans on my staff. We are a very diverse group, very close group, and we work together. And in our church, it's, it's, it's diverse. And times like this, it's a challenge for a pastor to have to figure out how to navigate and communicate to his people, especially if you have a, a diverse church. I believe everybody need to be pursuing a diverse church. I don't believe you need to yeah. pursue one culture. I think you need to pursue all, but you need to preach it. You need to speak it and you need to proclaim it to your congregation congregation on a constant basis because you get what you preach. Now, having a diverse church is very important because people need to see our world is already diverse. The church is behind on this. Some, some has tell us statistically that the church is the most segregated place on a Sunday and all these different things. So we've got work to do. Yeah. But when situations like what happened with George Floyd in um, Minnesota, I believe that it's an opportunity for us to show strength. And as church planners, right now, I'm going to tell you, right now, I am the caution. I'm one of the caution directors for the state of Michigan mm. Police Department. Those are people that they call on when they, when they, it's very tense and they can't be the one to address the group because they're, it's a negative thing for towards police or it's a community that, that is frustrated. They'll call in some of the community leaders to help them. Well, I'm one of those directors and I have been very vocal. It was an opportunity through a tragedy that I, I got that position. So 
in times of weakness in our community, we can show strength and we can actually gain influence. So call your mayor and say, you need anything? Yeah. I know this is going on and we don't want this to happen in our city because it's happening in Kentucky. Now, do you see those riots breaking out in Kentucky? Yes, sir. All the, it's, a, it's a spillover. So, so we can be very vocal and we can start, we can go to the state police, call them, watch them pick up the phone. <laughs> they may not pick up the phone the other time, but right now, just call them. Say, listen, I wanted to talk with you. Um, we need to have a, we need to do something. Let's do something, and yeah. and see what they say. And if that one don't like it, ask for somebody else. Right. <laughs> That's what we do. You'll be surprised. Oh, oh, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Yeah, I got you. I got you. <laughs> you'll be you'll be surprised. You know, and uh, it's a, because our world is looking for leadership and direction. Yes. And, and in times like this, we can unify. And that's what we're doing. We can unify. And uh, you're di- you're, you're, if you have a diverse church, this can be tense. Yeah. Because African-Americans are come in very tense, um, especially young people, because they're learning these things. And, yeah. and so you need to speak on this. You don't just ignore it. And this even, even for our Caucasian pastors, our African-American pastors, our Latino pastors, in every dynamic, they're wondering what you think. Yeah. So you have to unify this situation. You need to bring an answer to this situation. And, and so as a church planner, we have always been vocal. And I believe it's worked because people, it's like pumping life into them. Because mm. if they don't get it from you, Pastor Duncan, if they don't get it from me, they're going to get it from the voices on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Listen, you don't want them to be the leadership in, your, in the saint's life. Yes, sir. We appreciate you tuning in and invite you to review this podcast and share this episode on social media to help spread the good word.